Hello and welcome to a Mighty Blaze podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Blanchett. A Mighty Blaze was created in 2020 to connect readers and writers during the COVID pandemic and has since developed into an online hotspot for literary news, festival broadcasts, and interviews with best-selling authors, debut writers, and everyone in between. If you've watched the addictive Netflix show, You, then you've already had a peek inside the head of today's very imaginative guest. Caroline Kepnes is the author of the novel that the series was based on, as well as other books like Providence and Hidden Bodies. She came on The Blaze to talk with the thoughtful bro, Mark Cecil, about her newest release, You Love Me, which continues her earlier book's diabolical story. Caroline and Mark talk about how her job as an entertainment journalist influenced her fiction writing, the antisocial side of social media, the trick of creating a character that readers love and hate at the same time, and the exact moment when she found the unique voice that defines her books. So settle in and enjoy the conversation as I pass the blaze torch to Mark and his buoyant and brilliant guest, Caroline Kepnes. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Thoughtful Bro, live streaming on A Mighty Blaze. We are here, as usual, every Tuesday at 2 to talk about what makes great books tick and what makes great authors tick. And uh, just a few words before we get to our amazing guest today, who's also an old friend of mine, I can't help but saying. Um, A Mighty Blaze is an all-volunteer initiative to help writers reach readers virtually uh, in the time of COVID and beyond. Um, You can find scores of our interviews on the Mighty Blaze Facebook page um, and on our YouTube pages, where this interview will also live uh, in eternity afterwards. Um, Recent interviews we've done include Anne Lamott, Jonathan Leatham, Yah Jesse, Kristen Hanna, John Irving, Edwidge Dandicat, and so many more. Um, at a Mighty Blaze, we're not asking for your money. Uh, if you want to support us or tell us that you like us, you can just follow us and subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, we also have a podcast now. Our most recent episode is with Cheryl Strayed. Um, if you want to find out what is going on at the Blaze every week, um, you can go to amightyblaze.com and just sign up for our newsletter. Just put in your email, and we will just send you that email once a week just to tell you um, all the great interviews that are coming up um, every week. Um, if you are in the mood to spend money, this is what you should spend it on. This fabulous, entertaining, unputdownable, addictive, twisted, subversive, insane, beautiful book, You Love Me by Caroline Kepnes. Um that is the way you support us. We're going to have links to how, how to buy the book um, in the chat. Um, there will be audience questions at the end. Just post them, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, and they will make their way to me. Um, and one final tease before I go on to my introduction. Um, next week, uh, we have an, another amazing guest. Drum roll, please. Um, George Saunders is going to be joining us uh, a week from today at this time. Um, he's going to talk about his new book, which is about the craft of writing fiction. It's called A Swim in the Pond in the Rain, where he deconstructs his favorite Russian short stories and just kind of generally expounds on his theories of writing fiction. And, um, you know, if you don't love George, you'll love him after reading this book. Uh, it's just there's such great humanity and such great support to other authors and insights into writing fiction. And by the way, fun fact, did you know that in 2013, George Saunders was named by Time Magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world? Not one of the 100 most influential writers, one of the 100 most influential people in the world. So George will be on next week. But on to this week, my friends. Um, Caroline Kepnes is the author of the novels You, Hidden Bodies, and Providence. She graduated from Brown University, and she previously worked as a pop culture journalist for Entertainment Weekly, as well as a TV writer for Seventh Heaven and The Secret Life of the American Teenager. She grew up in Cape Cod and now lives in Los Angeles. Um, Her novels have become the basis for the hit Netflix TV show You, The first season of You has been streamed 42 million times, um, and it regularly makes the list of the most addictive and bingeable TV shows to be found anywhere. Um, The show is also critically acclaimed. Um, It's seasons one and two were are respectively rated 93% and 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Rotten Tomatoes said of season one, 
you pairs thrilling drama with trashy fun to create an addictive social media horror story that works its way under the skin and stays there. Um, Collider said the series protagonist, Joe Goldberg, was the best TV villain of 2018. IndieWire said you combines the best qualities of Gone Girl and American Psycho. And I totally agree with that. I think that's like a real perfect matchup, uh, mashup. Um, and Caroline's latest book, You Love Me, is out today, is out today. We are so happy to have her here today. Um, the New York Times um, compared You Love Me to the talented Mr. Ripley and called Caroline a storytelling sorcerer. Um, and I, I always love to go through Goodreads reviews and just pick out some gems. Um, yeah. <laughs> I read Goodreads reviews, so you don't have to, Caroline. Yeah. Um, one reader called it, quote, perverse, demented and creeptastic. Um, and another called it twisted and perfect. Um, Caroline, welcome to The Thoughtful Bro. Thank you, Mark. It is so good to be here. <laughs> and I just, we were talking in the green room and I guess I, I should say this, that like, so Caroline and I, Caroline and I know us, knew each other from like way back. Uh, we went to Brown together uh, and we knew each other both when we were like kind of starting out um, as reporters in New York. And I just want to say, Caroline, how completely proud and in awe of you i am i'm just i just it's like 20 years ago we were like walking around on the streets of new york and now here you are and you've made it and it's amazing thank you so much i mean i don't wake up and feel like i made it but this one <laughs> here talking to you is like a, ma a made it feeling that i'll go with yes <laughs> all right so um okay caroline for those who may not have seen the show read the book um, I just want to give them a feel for like what the story is about. And I just want to quote like, so your showrunner at Netflix, Sarah Gamble said, uh, this is how she pitched it. It's a love story about a stalker. Um, Penn Badgley, who plays Joe said, it's a quote, fuck fight and food show. Sounds appealing. Um, and then I heard you once explain it. You said, there's this guy, he reads a lot and then he kills people. Um, so, it's, so just explain to us, what is the show really about? You know, it, it reminds me of this time I was in a in an Uber and I'm talking to the guy and I'm telling him about this character. I write these books, you're inside of his head and he's really compassionate and passionate and obsessive and he has a great attention span and he still loves to read and he works in a bookstore and then when he meets someone he becomes really enchanted and the guy's like, wait a minute, is that that guy where the show goes around killing everyone? I'm like, uh, um, yeah. Like, <laughs> But the writing of it, like the getting in his head, that's where it is for me. You know, like that's the, like my drive going in. So I hope when you're reading like that, you're in his head, you're like, why do I like it in here? You know, why? Why does you make me feel good about being me and make me feel weird about being me? And maybe what was it you said before? Perverse and demented. Perverse like, yes, and demented. I, I liked I wanted to get in a mind in a modern mind that's intaking all this social media. Hi, Facebook. And show the antisocial side of the social yeah. network. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to get into all that and about how social media plays such a crazy role in this whole thing. But um, let's just talk about the third book. Just can you just tell us what is the third book about? How is it different from the first two and so on? Yes, the third book is different from the first two and that Joe is, you'll, in between the books, he has become a father. And I don't want to give away spoilers, but he is in a different mindset because of this. And in the sense that in the in the way in the first book, he walks into the bookstore. I'm, uh, Guinevere Beck walks into his bookstore. This time he walks into Mary Kay DeMarco's library. And she is a librarian and she is a mother and she has a teenage daughter. And this is the family for Joe. And when he decides something, yes, he's very good at following through. Like all those memes you see telling us how to be, he is them in a sick fucking way. So. I, I love it. That's what a charitable way to describe Joe. Somebody who yeah. knows how to follow through. <laughs> yes. I Well, I spend so much time in that building, that mental gymnasium. And that's where I, what I'm obsessed with the way, especially in this book, whatever is happening, he's like, not my fault. And he's rewriting his romantic history, which is something a lot of us do at times when you're telling any story about yourself, you know, and yeah. he's like, oh, this is actually what happened. So this is the book of Joe, like, thinking that, you know, love saves everything, that love is all you need. Well, he's going to get himself some of that love again, yeah. but this time yeah. in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And one other quick question about this book. Do you have to read the first two books in order to get it? I really don't. I mean, I think that it's like, it, it's enriching like the way with most series and that kind of thing. But the other day I talked to this British journalist who said that she read Hidden Bodies years ago and she's a book person, more of an author person. She's like, then a few months later, I pick up you, I'm reading it. I'm like, 
wait a minute, there's a mug of urine in here too. This must be like a literary trend. And then she put it together like, wait a minute, like that was the first book. So I thought that is a great example. Like I think that you yeah. can sit down and read this. Some things will read a little weird to you, but yeah. we have our wonderful internet where you could like Google something and you know, you'll know, you probably might know some of it from the show too, so. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think also you do a great job in the first kind of 30 pages or so, just dropping in a few things to ground the reader. So well, when you make people wait five years for a sequel too, I'm like, yes, I want to, you know, help you get back in. <laughs> All right. So um, do you want to do just a quick reading from the top of the book? Yeah. All right. A, maybe a paragraph or two. Okay. You love me. Chapter one. I think you're the one I spoke to on the phone, the librarian with a voice so soft that I went out and bought myself a cashmere sweater. Warm, safe. You called me three days ago to confirm my new job at the Bainbridge Public Library. The call was meant to be short, perfunctory. You, Mary Kay DeMarco, branch manager. Me, Joe Goldberg, volunteer. But there was chemistry. We had a couple laughs. That lilt in your voice got under my skin and I wanted to Google you but I didn't. Women can tell when a guy knows too much and I wanted to come in cool. I'm early and you're hot. If that's you, is that you? And you're busy with a male patron. I smell mothballs and gin. And you're a foxy but subdued, showing off your legs as you hide them in opaque black tights, as concealing as R.I.P. Beck's curtainless windows were revealing. You raise your voice. You want the old man to try out some Haruki Murakami. And I'm sure of it now. You're the one from the phone, but holy shit, Mary Kay, are you the one from me? <laughs> I just can't like wipe the grin off my face when I hear you read that. <laughs> the whole time I'm reading your book, I like my mouth hurts afterwards because I'm like smiling the whole time. Yeah, um, I love meet cutes and I love the way he gets when he meets someone. And yeah, it's just, it's fun. Yeah, I'm grinning when I write it. So I'm glad you're grinning when you hear it. <laughs> oh, totally. So, I mean, I was gonna like bring this up later in the interview, but I feel like it's appropriate now that you just did that reading. So. I mean, one of the things that is so awesome about this book, um, other than just how uh, cool and entertaining the voice is, but it's the use of the second person. So like, in case you couldn't tell, I mean, all these books are like addressed to, it's like as if Joe is talking to his love, you know, obsession, right? And um, I just want to say like, just from a craft perspective, like, I mean, of course there's like Bright Lights Big City was very famous in its use of you, but that was different because you is supposed to be the reader. Right. And like, I just don't know if I've ever seen this device used as you use it. And I just, I'm kind of like wanted you to talk about that. Like, how did you discover like this voice A and B just using you the way that you use it? I've always loved Extremes and I love that book. And then when I lived in New York back in our day, I did write a couple short stories that I worked on a lot and brought to my little writer's group where it was you, you, you. And I always liked it because I love the way some people just despise it. So I like that challenge of like, can I do this? Number one, can I pull it off? Can I make it purposeful? So for me, it was mm -hmm. purposeful that he's, it's like, I think of it as the love letter in his head that he's never sending. And in right. that way, it's ultimately right. self-serving because I like that that trick that he's he's talking to you, to you, the reader, to you, the girl, the way you're at once in his head and in his the object of his love's head. And yeah. I, I like that's what I'm that's a territory that's fun for me. And, you know, can you just talk for a moment about like um, this? when you first started writing that, I mean, I think you first, the first book was published in like 2014. So it's probably about 10 years ago that you started writing this book um, or like the first book. Um, can you talk about like the moment that you realized you, you had locked in on this voice? It was 2013 and I'd been trying it and trying it and playing with it and going to coffee shops like, it's almost here. And then I kept watching this video this um the honey drippers video for sea of love and it's mm -hmm. one of my favorite music videos of all time because it's just it's so distinctively itself it's weird and you can't stop watching it and there was something in that that was calming to me and then i was listening to my the prince song nothing compares to you and these things i was like these are joe's things just keep calming down stop like and go again and go again and mm -hmm. then i had that first chapter and i remember my friends matt donnelly and aaron penner one night we're out and they come over and we're all drunk and i'm like i'm gonna read you these pages and and the way they reacted was great. It was like, okay, it's here. And it was definitely like, I worked that first chapter so hard because I had right. that feeling like if I've got this and I know the end and I'm gonna map a combination of mapping and experimenting, like I'll finish it. Yes, but it was, yeah. 
it wasn't like the dream of like automatically it flew right out. Like there are moments of flying it right out, but then it's a lot of rewriting and a lot of what am I doing? Yeah. yeah. But it is, I mean, anybody who's hasn't read these books, you can just pick up like the just like get the sample on Amazon just to see what I mean and just like read like three pages and you will see this voice. I mean, it's just it's just unlike any other voice out there. I love the American Psycho uh comparison. That was I thought that was great. And then, yeah, I think Gillian Flynn is like an awesome comparison for you too. Yes. And those are right. I mean, American Psycho, I remember the first time reading that and being like, I was looking at colleges with my mom and I'm up late and she's like, stop reading that book. And I'm like, I can't because it was the Whitney Houston. That was so liberating for me as a young writer. Like this is a book, you know, cause you read so many books that like, there's this, you think of novel writing in a certain way and books that I loved, but felt like I can never do that. Right. And I'm like, I can't do what he does, but I love that. And it makes me want to do things. And Gone Girl mm-hmm. has that similar spirit of like zesty fun, like someone's playing with what they like to do. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I mean, like, I think like, like the best art, um, when you read this book, it sort of makes you want to also write. It's like, I want to do this magic trick that this person is doing. Yes, that's my favorite thing to hear from people when they're like, yeah. I haven't read in a while. Now I'm reading, I'm reading, the, I'm reading Desperate Characters. I'm reading this book. I'm reading someone I saw your friends with. I'm reading their book. Like, I love that. That's adorable. I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> I love that feeling, you know, that like right. when, when it's contagious and inspiring. Yes. Is, is it like, say something about the effect that your book has had on me that I think there's like somebody to kill you at your door, like right now. I feel like welcome to my world. (laughs) Um, All right. So, um, sorry, go ahead. I can't make it. (laughs) How does this work? Yes. Okay. Go on. Do you want to go get it? I should. I don't know. (laughs) What is it? Then I'm, oh, this is going to be one of those Facebook murders where it's locked. (laughs) This is why we invited you on the show. I know. Just leave it. Just leave it. Let's keep going. Um, Okay. So this, this book, the setting is different. I mean, you, you do a great thing with the books um, in that you um, each setting is different. First you're in New York, you're in Brooklyn, you're among hipsters um, and writers. Then you're in LA and you're talking about um, kind of screenwriting and the LA scene. Um, And now you're in uh, on like in Washington, right. Um, On an Island in Washington and it's set in a library. And there's also a character who is like a kind of faded rock musician. And the point I wanna make is that, I wanna hear you talk about it, but like my observation is that um, you always find a way to put him in kind of like media settings, like where he can like talk about pop culture and media and so on. And like, he's so great when he talks about that, but that must be by design. Yeah, I mean, that's for me early on when I started out as an entertainment journalist, it was weird and wonderful for the things that I love to become my work. Yeah. Like, and I remember, like, like I loved Seventh Heaven at the time. So I was at Entertainment Weekly, like, pitching Seventh Heaven stories all day, every day. And then finally, I got to do one. And it's just a very strange thing when, like, and then on the weekend, when you're watching something and you're this analytical part of your brain is also now at work of, like, what can I say about this? What, how could I cover this? What do I want to mm-hmm. know about this? Mm-hmm. So I wanted, and I feel like, especially as the internet came alive and we all became capable of sharing our feelings and our thoughts on things. For me, that's where Joe, like, that's what I, one of those aspects of, of life that I wanted to tap into with him. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I heard- kind of invade, simultaneously invaded and validated, you know? Right. Exactly. And then um, tell me about why you said it in a library. I mean, because I love that this is this woman's library. This is her territory for better or for worse kind of thing where it's her domain and he walks in there and she doesn't expect him, that kind of guy to be a volunteer. And I like that they both had this mild flirtation on the phone, really wanted to see him feeling like I'm the best little volunteer. Cause for me, Joe is at his best when he's like very puff, puffed up about himself <laughs> and feeling like it's your lucky day. Yeah. And yeah. knowing that, and in this book, especially I wanted to go like to a deep place with this woman, like she's Gen X, she's got her kids, she's got her job. Like it's, I thought it's much more difficult for him to be like, yeah, she can't even keep her phone. Do you know what I mean? Like I liked Joe having someone or like love, like, oh, she's got that rich family helping her out. Like I liked Mary Kay is together. I wanted him to, to get with a together Gen yeah. X lady. All right. And so let's talk about Joe. Um, I mean, this is, 
he's a fascinating character. I mean, he's one of like, in my opinion, the great characters in contemporary literature. He is like somebody who is like, on the one hand, he wants to talk to you about Dostoevsky and Hemingway. He's funny. He's vulnerable. He's like super woke too. He's like all about like woke culture. Um, and, and, and I think like ultimately the biggest thing about him is that he just wants love, right? And then on the other hand, um, he has a cage in his basement that he murders people in. And so, you know, but I mean, the, I just, I guess the obvious question, which you get all the time, I think, is just what is the trick of making Joe this guy that does these awful things, but you just sort of, you like want to give him a hug and you're like, you'll do better next time, buddy. <laughs> Well, it's, it's what I tell myself when I'm writing that like each moment is its own moment. Like you're in the very much in the present. Like it's the thing I like about present tense books that it puts yeah. you in that particular moment. And that, yeah, like he is, we're all presenting ourselves when we're on here. Right. And this for me from page one, step one was like, these are the things you would never tell anyone online at large. Yeah. And here they are. You're going to have access to everything he's thinking. And I wanted a lot of it to be God awful. And a lot of it to hopefully be like, yes, like I, I relate to this. I can get behind this. You know, I like that conflict of like, it doesn't add up, you know, cause yeah. we're at a time when we want things to add up and so often they do. And we also love when they don't, when it turns out that this person who acts this way is actually that way. I love that. No one's real, you know, when someone even starts to figure out that part about him, instead of dealing with it, he eliminates them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I feel like it's his version of like maintaining his image for someone who claims to not care what anyone thinks and be like above it all. It's like who is more self-conscious and obsessed with what other people think of him than Joe? Right. Even now she's like, I know what it would look like if she found out what I really did. It's like motherfucker, like you killed people. <laughs> it's not what it would look like, and it's not her being judgmental. But it's I love what we can do in our brains. I just I think that that's classic to humanity. And the more that privacy goes away, the more it becomes exciting to me to get in there. Yeah. And, and there's this great device uh, in the book too, which is sort of like uh, the device that's used in Fleabag, this kind of like breaking the fourth wall. And there's like this, this dissonance between what Joe is thinking and what he's saying. And you like hear him think something and then you see him say something entirely different. And yeah. that contrast is such magic in the book. I just can't get enough of that. I love, I love reading that. I love writing that. Like, it's just my, I, it's so much fun to me. Yeah. Yep. It's whenever and I try to write a script, I'm like, I'll put it this way. The paragraphs are like that long and the description. And it's like, no, no, no. In, in, on screen, they have to be saying that, you know, like it's, you're watching it. I'm like, yeah, but in a book, like, da, 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 like this is what's really going on. Yeah. It's so funny. I saw this interview you did with Penn Badgley and he's like talking about like, yeah, some days I just show up for work and I just stare at the camera because it's like, it's all voiceover. So he just has to look at the camera. <laughs> yeah. And can you imagine like, that's just a lot of time to spend alone in your head being, you know, thinking about someone else's head as an actor. Like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I just, so, so one thing that I want to uh, draw out is that like Joe, um, is like just very compelling and very insightful. And he, he makes a lot of snap judgments sort of good and bad about people. But he also says like some like beautiful, fascinating things. And I just want to like read one quote that I just love so much. It's like towards the end of the book, um, he says, um, the question of where you are from isn't as important as when you are from. We don't come from places, we come from time. We come from traumatic moments that can't be undone. Okay, so. That's first of all, like just world-class writing. Second, it's saying something about this character that like this character can really understand profound things about people. And yet he's still doing what he's doing. And I guess like, I mean, I've heard people compare it to Raskolnikov in Crime and Punishment. I mean, you have somebody who is like deeply kind of insightful and philosophical and yet is doing these other things. And I'm just, how do these things end up in the same person, Caroline? For me, I like that that's the closest he'll get to admitting some form of guilt. Yeah. And especially in this book, I feel like it's like when he meets Belanda and he's snap judging her, but he's also like, of course she's this way. Imagine what she deals with. Like yeah. that's the closest he gets to admitting that maybe he's made some mistakes. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to get there too often because I feel like if he was, if the whole book was that, there wouldn't be a book. Yep. Because those moments have to, I'm glad that landed with you the way I want it to. Also, I hear that. I'm like, oh, right. Do you watch Veep? Uh, I, I've seen it like oh, once right. or twice by now, but. 
When yeah, Jojo was running, running for president, he's like one of the best characters. He was screaming like, when are you from? When are you from? And that, I laughed about that with a couple of friends all the time. And I just loved that because I feel like it does, it is such a truer, truer statement. So I love, you know, hearing things like that that stay with me yeah. and the way what you consume comes back in your own work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got like a trillion comments coming in from the audience and we will get to them, folks. Just so you got to give me like about 10 more minutes here to get through my stuff. Uh, but we're going to get to the, all these audience questions. Um, just one other thing while we're on the topic of Joe, though, is um, I heard you say in an, again in another interview, you said um, readers reach out to you and say, you helped me deal with the Joe in my life. So like, I don't think that they mean they have a serial killer in their life, but it just like obviously begs the question, like what is like the Joe type that you're helping people deal with? Um, for, for me, it's and uh, what I've heard, like it's the control issue, that yeah. difference between control and love that a lot of love, a lot of control at first can feel like love. And mm. I'm always thinking about that boundary and when I, and also when people get into bad situations, often there's people in their support system are asking them like, how could you be so stupid? How could you fall for this person? And they're like, here it is. This is how it happens. Like yeah. that was my bottom line in that first book. Like I knew how it would end because, because of him, not because of something she did wrong, but because of him, that there was mm -hmm. no way out when you're dealing with someone like this that's what's scary about it. And that's what also can be intoxicating. And I, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So um, another huge topic in the book is social media, obviously. I mean, so much of the book is text messages um, and it's so much about people's Instagram feeds and so on and so forth. Um, and the way that he infiltrates these and kind of steals them and uses them to, as you say, control the situation, I guess. Um, so first, um, what is your own attitude towards social media? <laughs> I'm so curious. I know. Yeah, I was talking about this last night. It's it's so mixed. Like, I love this. I love all the good of it. But from like, I've always been an oversensitive person. And part yeah. that's part of why I wanted to make Joe like show the problem with being sensitive. And I don't mean yeah. that. And oh, I care. So I mean, like, I'm too easily stimulated. Like when I was little, I would want to play in the backyard by myself with my and I could and now to have so much access to so much 24 seven mm -hmm. is overwhelming. Not mm -hmm. that I, even if you don't go there, it's there. So knowing that it's there, do you know what I mean? Like I love when people like it was, I feel like in the first book talked about social media diet and Joe's always criticizing everyone for how they use it. Right. Cause it's so easy to yeah. like think, well, you're doing it wrong and yeah. just rise up someone's and it's like, well, you're doing it wrong when you're judging someone else for how they're doing it because right. fuck's sake, like, Who's, everyone's doing it in the way that feels best to them. So yeah. in this book, I loved, like, I wanted them following each other right away. I loved him having that feeling of, I am doing nothing wrong. This woman is following me and I'm following her. And, and then I love it when he gets to impersonate someone, we'll call it that, without giving things away, because I was one of the last people to start texting. I was just resistant to it. I'm a voice person. I'm like, how the hell would you know who's in there? And I finally did. So to this day, whenever I'm talking to anyone, I'm like, maybe this is them, maybe it's not. Like <laughs> one of my best friends is in Australia. I'm like, I mean, I know it's him, I know, but I feel like if someone picked it up and read the way that we talk and jumped in, and that's Who just knows? where my mind goes with it because mm -hmm. I like that in-person sensory feeling. And I think also that it lets you have different ways of being with people. You're without knowing it, you're being different ways, you know, because yeah. we all bring out everything is a two-way street. Oh my God. I, some of my favorite parts of the book are when Joe is like, um, he'll be like impersonating somebody else and like writing to his love interest. And then she'll like write a little thing back to him and he'll like, like over interpret it. Like she'll just write ha instead of ha ha. And he'll be like, oh, ha. Like, so that's where we're at in this relationship, you know? <laughs> Yes. And yeah. And I like the way that all of it, like, it's always fascinating me when you see those dots, like so much of it, I feel like is designed to make us fucking crazy. And if you're right. already a little off like him, then watch out, baby. Watch out. <laughs> all right. So, um, of course we have to talk about the show. Um, I do think, um, the books are, um, better than the show and that's saying something cause I freaking love the show, but I, I think like, I'm just, I mean, I like books more than I like TV. And I just think there's so much that your books are doing, which is like, so particular to great writing and good literature. And it's like so much, he just, you're in Joe's head and like you, you just have to boil that down so much for the show. Um, so anyway, yeah. but I just. 
Sorry, go, did you yeah. want to? It's like, I don't like to compare them because I'm like, I love to read, I love to watch TV. And for yeah. me, those are two different experiences for my yeah. brain. And when you're reading a book, like it's, especially with this book, when I was like, I didn't picture Joe. Like there was no one, I went out in the world and I feel like that's him, that's him, he's everywhere. And it was yeah. a voice that I was playing with. And, and also every character, I'm like, this is how he sees them. Yeah. So that's all books, like, right? You're reading, yeah. I just read, read Widow. I'm like, I'm the spy and I'm I'm in the CIA. Like you're putting your, it's you directly with that material. So TV is just a different animal. You know, yep. like I, that's, I'm like, yeah, you're reading any book is different from watching any show. Totally. And and I just want to just reiterate, I love the yeah. show. Um, and I'm, just, I'm saying I love the books and that's like as high a praise as you can get because I love the show. Um, so, um, but I just want to talk, I mean, the show is like, it's, it's so successful. It's basically a meme factory. Um, I saw this like 92nd street Y um, lecture you did and the crowd is like raucous. It's like a baseball game. You're like, you know, um, what does anybody, does anybody have any feelings about which character we should bring back if we bring any character and the crowd like is yelling at the stage. I mean, I don't know what even my question is, except like, how does that feel? It feels so wild because every yeah. step of it has been wild and fun and wonderful. Like before we were on, we did this event and I remember walking out and there were readers in the audience who might be here right now. Hi. And Ped said something about Joe's dark side and readers stood up like, Joe is great. Like, and it was like, yeah, like book people like, and I love, <laughs> so to take that, going into it with all that energy. Now we have this show and the millions of people, I mean, I can't comprehend those numbers. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember when it, when it went to Netflix and it becoming that thing, it, that was so mind blowing and so much fun. And yeah. like, I, you, I don't know that I'm still, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I, it's, it's wild. And it's I wild. love how passionate people are where they're like, what is love's coin astrological sign? I'm like, oh my God, like, that's great. Yeah, like Dude, people are I'm, watching so closely the way people were reading so closely and paying yeah. attention to everything keeps me on my toes too. I bet. I bet. I wonder. Penn Bradley's a great actor. I've loved him since Gossip Girl. Um, early I adopter. Him stepfather. I was telling him, I'm like, I, that was my, like, I've seen that movie a hundred times. I'm like, this is like reverse stepfather. Now you're the stepfather. <laughs> but I just, I wonder, is, is Penn Bradley ever going to be able to play another role? I mean, I feel oh, like. Oh, God, yeah. I, okay. I, I, I mean, I mean, like, he's so, like, absolutely, like, in this. And it's, to me, it must be all consuming. Like, I have no idea what it's like to be an actor and do right. that. But I feel like, yeah, I'm sure he's very much looking forward to doing other things too. <laughs> right. So, um, all right. So tell me like just a few kind of like crafty questions about uh, being a writer um, and writing a show that you know will become a TV show. So first, when you were writing it originally, now you had been in TV, you'd been out in LA, like, were you thinking, I hope this one day becomes a show or were you, did you think about it in that way originally? No, it's kind of like it was part of my process with my writing. I'm like, I've always written a little like Santino Fontana, who does the audiobook, says it's so colloquial, like reading the audiobooks is an interesting experience because it's just how we talk. Yeah. So I was kind of leaning into that and finally taking the guilt about watching so much TV and watching Pitch Perfect 800 times. Like, fuck it. I'm going to you know what? I'm going to run with it. I yeah. write to write fast. I like I want the reader to feel like it's moving. That's what I like. So I'm going with it. So it's a thrill. Like, I don't, I've never, I don't think that would, like, I I would be happy if my mom liked it. You know what I mean? Like it was, yes. So then going forward, then to see it explode as a show, it's so exciting. And I get to write more books, which is a thrill. And going like in the books, like I'm saying, like in that book world, because like we've talked about, like, it's just about him spreading out on the page. Like it's man spreading on the page, you know, like totally. he's going to take us into his perspective and the show by nature is, is different. And I now for me, anyone who's a Joe person, you can read the books, you can watch the show. Remember Spaceballs when it's like all of the, I'm like, I just want a slot machine. <laughs> that would be <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Sex in the City slot machines, final slot machines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so wait, tell me this though. Um, what, when you were writing this, do you think um, about Penn Badgley as Joe, or is it like is Joe your own thing in the book? And I'm just, this is more a general question about like, do you does the fact that you know this is going to be a TV show and it has been a TV show, like how does that change the writing of like the next book? It's yeah, it's a new challenge. Like, I feel like it was going to be my my first time writing a third book in a series anyway, which is like a first, like it's a lot yeah. of first at once, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then it's my first time writing after seeing him do Joe 
and do it so well and knowing that other people are reading picturing him so it's definitely some work in my mental process to get back into like to pick up the first book yeah. and kind of be like this is how it sounds on the page this is the flow of how book joe is and yeah staying with that and knowing that like the show like this the end of season two and everyone was like who's the neighbor i'm not going to tell you <laughs> <laughs> the end of book two are so different so that if anything was kind of helpful for me because i'm like that's right like i had plans for joe when i finished hidden bodies so i'm like breathing in those plans and going back into this narrative yep Got it. And um, and just a final question about the show, and then I'm going to get in some audience questions. Like, do you um, do you structure the book like thinking this is going to be like a ten episode sh um, series? Do you think about it like even like this would be a great spot for a commercial break or whatever? I mean, I'm just wondering. Like, well, does that you know what's funny? Like <laughs> after after Go all ahead. of our like workshops we had and all our learnings, like I call them chunks. <laughs> yeah. Like I make a chunk, I'm like in Melanda chunk. And you know, like, I'm like, this is the grossest language. I don't know why, but that started with you. And I wasn't with Providence. I didn't use the word chunk, uh -huh. but something about these books, I'm like, it's like, this is chunk, Benji chunk, Melanda chunk, Ivan chunk. Like I just go with the chunk and try to make that chunk its own thing. And I think of him as like, what does he want? Love. Who's in the way? This one. Yep, exactly, exactly. And yeah, try to make each part feel like this. You know, it's like when you read a book and you're like, this is it. This is the part. This is the part. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. And I feel like it happens that TV is a lot like that. That's why we love to binge things. Mm -hmm. Or again, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, there's, if you watch too much TV, guys, don't feel bad. It might just be help your writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I know this question is, I already see it in the question. So I'll just ask you myself, but you, um, you are working on, uh, the next book, right? The next yes, year book. I finished a draft in December that I think of it as my pandemic draft because it was, it's a lot of pandemic. So it's going to, I'm going to rewrite because I feel like I had to get it out of my system. I wanted to see how he would handle this. Now there will be some reference to it, but it's not going to be like, I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to like page one. Like, so I'm getting my masks. Like, yeah, like. <laughs> Right, but it's good, but it will be set in the pandemic in some way. After, like, there, there, it will address it, and I think right. that themes it will address it in themes a little more than in like the concrete reality. Yeah, dude, I am fascinated. I mean, like, the idea of how Joe Goldberg is dealing with the pandemic is all of a sudden a question I need an answer to. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so here we go. Um, here's uh, first audience question. Oh my gosh, there's so many here. Uh, from uh, from Trisha. Uh, Caroline seems to have fun, all caps, with her writing. How does she keep it so fresh, especially when working with repeating characters? Mm. Trisha, Trisha, or Trisha? Trisha, Trisha. Trisha, hi, thank you. Um, I, I like that you put fun in all caps because I can tell when I'm annoyed and that's when I walk away. And on a structural daily basis, I'm like, okay, 21, 22, the beginning of 23. And the next day it's, I wake up, I'm like, look at that. I already started 23. It doesn't matter if 23, the start of it is awful. It's like whatever I can do to make myself feel like I built something to play with. And then I go back and read those yesterday pages. I feel like it's like going, it's part bursts of like having fun, getting an idea, being so excited to write it down, working through the times when you don't, when it's not fun, knowing mm -hmm. that it won't ever be fun if you don't work in the unfun too. Like it can't all be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome answer. Um, okay. This is from Christina Powers. I enjoyed Providence. Um, I think she means, I think she, she means that she enjoyed Providence either as much as she's got a little sign there as much as, or more than the series. Um, are you here? What are you thinking about in terms of another standalone? Christina, thank you so much. I love Providence and I love to hear that. It's like this good, big, gooey, warm, soft spot in my heart whenever I hear Providence, like, thank you. Um, <laughs> I do have another standalone that I wrote a draft of and worked on, but I wanted to get like, and my publisher wanted to get the Joe Burks, Joe books out there now while we, you know, while things are so Joeish in the world. So yes, the standalone is about an author named Pearl and I'm very excited for you to meet her and for me to get back on that, back to work on that book. Awesome. Um, all right. So this is from uh, actually Mighty Blaze founder and producer Jenna Bloom. Um, did Joe ever run away with a scene in a way that you didn't expect? Yes, Jenna. This happens a lot. Like I where I it's when people talk about pantsing and plotting where I'm very rigid about my schedule and my little plans. And I love when I start realizing, oh, he's not going to do what I thought he's going to do. Like in this book, I'll just say this, like 
their cameras somewhere. And that was something that kind of came up that I worried about. And I was like, oh God, no, okay, this is what he would do. Cause sometimes it'll be tricky where I have to remind myself like, he has his logic system, I have mine and never the twin train shall meet, you know? Yep. Um, okay, got it. Next question um, from Alex Hoops. Um, did did casting of Gossip Girl alum Nice Guy Millennial Penn Badgley influence your writing um, and how you think about Joe for future books? Oh, I like there's Hi, Alexandra. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's a gift. Like, he's so good. I think it's a, an author's dream come true when someone comes along and, you know, walks on camera as a character that you created and makes it his own and their writers make it their own. I mean, he's, he's amazing. But when I, I didn't start writing with one singular actor in mind. So I keep writing without one singular actor. Cause that would be like kind of me telling him what to do. Do you know what I mean? Like that's again, that two way street. Like he's, he's made Joe and Greg and Sarah have like developed a Joe on screen that works so well. And I'm, I love my Joe on the page. And I, yeah. Got it. All right, cool. Um, all right, here's another one. Um, uh, what are the things that you'd say um, your books can particularly do that the show can't do? I think that you can dwell in a book and you can really feel a long weekend, a lot of quiet time. These books for me are always about this person being an outsider and feeling alone. And I think that you'll see at the end of at the end of so many events, when he's with people, he always winds up alone. And in that way, since books are one person reading alone with it, I feel like you really get you really get the sadness with him in a way that you can in any book because you're allowed to dwell and have space, that quiet mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. And the music in his head because licensing on TV and, and it's different, but I love getting all of that music and the movies rolling around in his head. And I think that when you're reading that, that's fun for me as I was writing, I'm like, oh, I like this. Like, so, all right. So I think, so Caroline, you and I are like about the same age. We graduated from Brown at the same time. And like, you're from Cape Cod, I'm from Worcester, Mass. Um, and I just have to say that like, in terms of your references in the book, I felt completely seen. There's like this like 90s kind of massic rock thing happening. I mean, that's not all your references, but right. I just, the 90s references are just legion in this book. Um, and is, is that like, just tell me about that. That was fun. I like, well, I wanted to go with that chemistry again. Like he meets someone of a little older than him. So I wanted mm -hmm. it to be like this natural. Now he's putting the fucking nineties on the pedestal. Like it was the yeah. best man. And then that's why I wanted Phil to make him feel like, no, it was also the worst. And, and it was just so joyous. Like for me, it's that time machine. It's the same way when I was writing you, I was living here. I was going back to New York when I lived on bank street and was running around like in this, I was like, oh, now I get to run around in the 90s and mm -hmm. what, a, what a good time. Yes. Oh, such a good time. It's so, I love those 90s references, so funny. Um, okay, here's another one from Julie Gerstenblatt. Um, Caroline said her writing is a combo of mapping out and experimentation. How much outlining and planning does she do? Hi, Julie. It varies every day and every book. I like on the, I think about it whenever I get nervous and you get too much in your head, like, oh my God, a book, a book, I think count to 10, a page, a paragraph. So I'll think about the chapter and where it ends and spit it out and print it out and go down the street and read it and write on it. And I can never read my own handwriting. And I'll think that I have it all figured out. And I walk back home and I'm like, number one, I can't read my own handwriting. Number two, I don't think that I figured it out. But that experience of letting yourself be critical, of not, I don't think of it as critical. It's like when you're getting ready to go out, you know, you're putting on different things saying, what do I feel good in? Not what other people see, but what do I feel good in? I think about this, like what is what feels good to me? And then step back, what feels good to the chunk? And then step further back and think about the other chunks. But in a, in a short, quick, practical way, yes, there's always for me, I'm an ending motivated person. So I think about this psycho ending that I want and why I want it and what I have to do to earn to get there. And as I go and I make broader plans and fill them in, like it's kind of like when you're a kid and you, you get the foundation of the sandcastle and you start building it. I'm building it so other parts are changing. And then it becomes really mm -hmm. tricky of like, oh, well, if that's that's gonna happen there, then this can't happen or this needs to happen. That will make it sweeter when that happens. Also, biggest thing is the emotional tracking, like always reminding myself of, again, that counting to town breathing, like, but how does he feel right now? 
And what does he not know that this other person is doing? Because that's part of Joe's problem is understanding that Mary Kay, all women, we have our own feelings and thoughts <laughs> that have nothing to do with him. <laughs> um, I love this thing you just said about um, earning the ending. Um, and you sort of did explain it a little bit, but just, I, I wanna ask for a little bit more there. Just tell me more about this earning thing. Cause I just think it's so, it's such an important thing in creating these kind of long form story arcs. Yes, I feel like I want him, without giving it away, I always want it to feel like when you think about the beginning of a book, like, well, yes, like I, and it makes you think about larger issues in life. That's the the hope of the writing. And it's in part going with this creative impulse. Like in this book, I had certain things that I kept putting in that I'm like, I don't know why, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And then after reading it over months, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I know what I was trying to do, but why can't this part of the brain talk to that part? It right. just takes a while. But I feel like I know the difference between loving a scene and feeling excited about it and loving the way it works in the book yep. and being harsh about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, just a couple more audience questions and then we're going to wrap. Um, this is a great question. It's a question I also wanted to ask you, um, which is um, does Caroline consult with the writers on the show and how much input do you have? Hi, Julie. Um, so I go <laughs> into the room and I, I yap and I yap and I yap and tell them about the book all over the place. Like, I guess in the TV way, you would call it like a disorganized pitch of an unfinished thing that like, I feel like it was about over a year ago. So I'm like, oh, and this person and that person. And wait, go back. Remember what I just said? Actually, it goes this way. And I tell them all this and I give them an early draft. And it's, it's very different that way that in the first season, I had finished the book so long ago. So it's the same for them. Like we're all in this process to like together in our different spheres on the same track. So give it again, like where season two was different, like season three is going to be different, but you're going to see Joe in a small town. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then this is a great final question to, uh, final question to end on, which is, um, do you know what the end end for Joe is? No, I like questions so much more than answers. So it's funny, it's, it reminds me that a lot of people lately have been asking like, Can, is Joe capable of love? And I've been saying, no, oh, because of his control issues. But at, at night in bed, I'm like, no, the whole point is that I don't know. And I think I don't know is so much more fun for writing than I know. Like, I, I just know when I'm writing one book, I want to do another. And I know that I, I like when I feel like I think that this could work. For so is it, is it fair to say then like the series just sort of like, there isn't like a definite arc. Like, you know, it will be seven books, right? I mean, this thing could just, Joe could just keep going forever. In yeah, I'm going with how it feels. Uh, like for me, if I'm fired up about it and I have a plan, but each one does keep leading, like in that way, halfway through the first one, I was like, you need to write another. The second one, I was like, now I'm going to torture myself and like figure it out and let it sit. Yeah. And now three was like <gasps> the setup for four, you know? <laughs> awesome. All right. So um, we're just going to, we're going to wrap there, but I do have one final question, Caroline. This has been yeah. so great. Thank you for like going through. <laughs> I see Jenna's final question. I have never dated anyone with a plexiglass cage in the basement. As far as I know, I did work in a bookstore with a basement and the jewel, the store next door had a cage like that, but not a not a cage like you've seen but not yet yeah <laughs> jenna i jenna is on also behind the scenes on this and i was avoiding that question intentionally jenna um anyway well, that was oh. him ringing the doorbell before like yeah um, oh, somebody, uh, just just one last thing uh, from Patricia Young. Um, Hi, Caroline, I finished my first crime novel and I've begun to query, which of course means if you can't entice an agent to take a chance, you can't get published. Any advice on query letters? On query letters, like I think it's good to, now there are so many ways to go out there and read others, to find a book that you love that feels like your book and read everything you can about that author because mm. probably they did an interview at some point where they're they're going to mention their query letter or they're going to talk about writers that they read and looked into them and i think that's one of the most beautiful things about having access to so much mm -hmm. and ultimately like it's to about being yourself and why this is your book you know it's yeah. your book and you finished it congratulations that's that's huge Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Caroline, uh, this has been amazing. Uh, I always end with the same question that I ask every author who comes on the show. And so that's this. So imagine that you have the ideal reader for your book and somebody who's just getting every reference that you're putting out there and there's everything is landing the way that you hope that it would land. So that person finishes the book, closes it, and just describe for me in that moment, what is in a word or a phrase, what is the feeling that that reader has finishing your book? Oh, bewildered. <laughs> like, 
that that oh god that things change and they don't yep 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 that is good i mean I, I, all I will say is that like, I wouldn't want people to think that bewildered, they're bewildered in the sense that like, they're confused about like what's going on because it's like such a great landing. Right. Is, yeah. That's probably not the right. Yeah. No, no, no. But, I, but you mean like, go, sorry, go ahead. Spent. Spent. <laughs> Um, okay. That is awesome, folks. We're going to end there. Uh, Caroline, I feel so deeply a thrilled for you that your career is going to the friggin' moon. Uh, B, I feel very grateful that I read this book because it is entertaining AF, as they say. Um, I, a nice one here that I, yeah. <laughs> I recommend everybody go ahead and click on the links in the chat, buy this book. Um, it would just blow you away. I said in social media leading up to this thing that it's basically like literary crack. It is like that. And I think, Caroline, I'm not the only one. I mean, I think addictive is sort of like the word that almost everybody uses, right? It is, and it's good. It makes me feel better about my addicted, addictive ways when I'm reading, when I'm yeah. writing. And when I'm writing this, I'm like, I, I really, that, that word, I guess that's a good end of the word book, that you feel addicted. Yep, <laughs> like need another fix. And by the way, so wait, on that note, when will we get the other fix? Is I there? No. <laughs> but I mean, you will. Like, it's a guarantee, you know, it, it's it, you will. I just, it's very dangerous to like to talk about it when you're not done. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, but, but and just one last question. I'm sorry to just throw this in there, but like, I was funny. I was watching a, an interview with Gillian Flynn last week, and Gillian is like sort of like legendary at this point for having written Gone Girl that just took over the world. And then she like is just basically decamped to Hollywood and has been like writing movies. And she's been, she's been doing great stuff in movies and TV. But, uh, and she claims that she's working on another book, but I guess my question I'd put to you is like, is there any danger that you would just be like, I'm gonna take a big sack of money from Hollywood and like stop writing novels? No, I really, from I love prose so much. I love Microsoft Word, I love pages of pages. I love the, like I know myself well and I love be, having the freedom to go anywhere and to go into a headspace and like I, I've got this book and then I've got to work on Pearl. Like I'm just, I'm so happy. It is a miracle to me that like after it, when we were young and at every job, I'm like, oh, I'll be right back. And I'm printing out short stories, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the workplace printer and getting in trouble. And like, it's a fucking miracle that I get to do this now that it's my job. So yeah, I like, I just, I love writing my pages, so. Good to know. Good to know. And I'm very relieved to hear that. Um, the folks, again, Caroline Kepnes, thank you so much for being on The Thoughtful Bro. We really appreciate it. Um, next week, we'll be back with George Saunders. Amazing. Um, so tune in next week um, and we'll see you then. Caroline, thank you so much. Mark, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you for joining us. I'm Trisha Blanchett for a Mighty Blaze podcast. My debut novel, a young adult fantasy called Herrick's End is due out in early spring 2022 and pre-orders are available now. Tune in next week for an episode featuring musician and author Mikkel Jolet. Until then, keep your blaze burning and your pages turning.